What struck Bender first about the bundle was the heat. It might have been a lump of burning coal that was wrapped in the blanket, except that it was soft and that it moved. When she held it against her breast, something in her insides flipped like a fish. Oh, she said, a weak gasp of surprise and happy dismay. The woman was speaking to her again, but she wasn't listening. From deep down in the folds of the blanket, a tiny, filmy eye was regarding her with what seemed an expression of dispassionate interest. Her throat thickened, and she was afraid the morning's waterworks might start up again. Thank you, she said. It was all she could think to say, although she wasn't sure who it was she was thanking, or for what. The Moran woman shrugged, pulling her mouth up at one side in a sketch of a smile. Good luck, she said. She walked back rapidly to the car, her high heels clicking and got in and pulled the door shut. Well, that's done, she said. And through the windscreen she watched Brenda Rutledge, still standing where she had left her on the dock, gazing into the opening in the blanket, the canvas bag forgotten at her feet. Look at her, she said sourly. Think she's the blessed virgin. The driver made no comment, only started up the car. Part One, Chapter One It was not the dead that seemed to quirk uncanny, but the living... When he walked into the morgue long after midnight and saw Malachy Griffin there, he felt a shiver along his spine that was to prove prophetic, a tremor of troubles to come. Mal was in Quirk's office, sitting at the desk. Quirk stopped in the unlit body room, among the shrouded forms on their trolleys, and watched him through the open doorway. He was seated with his back to the door, leaning forward intently in his steel-framed spectacles, the desk lamp lighting the left side of his face, and making an angry pink glow through the shell of his ear. He had a file open on the desk before him and was writing in it with peculiar awkwardness. This would have struck Quirk as stranger than it did if he hadn't been drunk. The scene sparked a memory in him from their school days together, startlingly clear of Mal, intent like this, sitting at a desk among fifty other earnest students in a big hushed hall as he laboriously composed an examination essay with a beam of sunlight falling slantways on him from a window somewhere high above. A quarter of a century later, he still had that smooth seal's head of oiled black hair, scrupulously combed and parted. Sensing a presence behind him, Mal turned his face and peered into the shadowy dark of the body room. Quirk waited a moment and then stepped forward, with some unsteadiness, into the light in the doorway. Quirk! Mal said, recognizing him with relief and giving an exasperated sigh. For God's sake. Mal was in evening clothes, but uncharacteristically unbuttoned, his bow tie undone and the collar of his white dress shirt open. Quirk, groping in his pockets for his cigarettes, contemplated him, noting the way he put his forearm quickly over the file to hide it, and was reminded again of school. Working late, Quirk said and grinned crookedly, the alcohol allowing him to think it a telling piece of wit. What are you doing here? Mal said too loudly, ignoring the question. He pushed the spectacles up the damp bridge of his nose with the tap of a fingertip. He was nervous. Quirk pointed to the ceiling. Party, he said. Upstairs. Mal assumed his consultant's face, frowning imperiously. Party? What party? Brenda Rutledge, Quirk said, one of the nurses. Her going away. Mal's frown deepened. Rutledge? Quirk was suddenly bored. He asked if Mal had a cigarette, for he seemed to have none of his own, but Mal ignored this question, too. He stood up, deftly sweeping the file with him, still trying to hide it under his arm. 
Quirk, though he had to squint, saw the name scrawled in large handwritten letters on the cover of it. Christine Falls. Mao's fountain pen was on the desk, a parker, fat and black and shiny with a gold nib, no doubt, twenty-two carat or more if it was possible. Mal had a taste for rich things. It was one of his few weaknesses. "'How's Sarah?' Quirk asked. He let himself droop sideways heavily until his shoulder found the support of the door jam. He felt dizzy, and everything was keeping up a flickering, leftward lurch. He was at the rueful stage of having drunk too much and knowing that there was nothing to be done but wait until the effects wore off. Mal had his back to him, putting the file into a drawer of the tall grey filing cabinet. She's well, Mal said. We were at a night's dinner. I sent her home in a taxi. Nights, Quirk said, widening his eyes blearily. Mal turned to him a blank, expressionless look, the lenses of his glasses flashing. I've seen Patrick.